It's hard to believe summer is just around the corner. Join us in today's conversation as we discuss our omniscient God. Wait, do you even know what that means? We are the Wests, and you are listening to the Verve of the Verse podcast. Man, I have missed being here. This podcast is such a special place to me, and I feel like the first few months of this year have been something of a vortex, and I personally got lost in it for a little bit. But I did survive my first semester as a full-time seminary student, and it didn't quite kill me, but it was close. So, how would you sum up the first near half of the year? Oh, man. Busy, busy. I feel like I work 100 hours a week. I feel like you work 100 hours a week, too. But hey, you know that this episode marks our first anniversary. Woo-hoo. We launched in May of 2021, a year ago. So that's something to celebrate. Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, if I had to pick one, I would say July's bonus episode when we interviewed Pastor Mark. That was my favorite. I enjoyed the collaboration and getting to hear more about our pastor on a personal level in a personal space. It was, I loved it. And all of the technical difficulties, and <laughs> we haven't done an interview since then, so what? We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I think my favorite was recording our um, testimonies last July for our anniversary. Um, I think I've shared that episode a lot, a lot, a lot, dozen times at least. Um, and our marriage story, for me personally, it's been a big part of my walk with God, so I always love going back and talking about it. Yeah, mine too. Well, here, nearing the halfway point in 2022, we are continuing our dig into the different attributes of God's character. In the first three episodes of the year, we've looked at how God is the original visionary, how God is love, and how God is sovereign. So funny story, just to show you how human we, or I, really am. In April, I picked a verse, and we planned an entire episode around sovereignty before I remembered that we'd already discussed sovereignty in the previous month. So I will blame brain drain on that one. And needless to say, we are approaching this month's verse through a different lens. We are going to approach this month's verse through the lens of God's omniscient. So can you define omniscient for us, honey? Well, my layman's understanding is that it is that omniscience is like all knowing. Great. (laughs) That's lovely. Thank you. So Oxford's Dictionary is, in fact, knowing everything. So congrats to you. Oh, I win. I didn't find your name there, though. (laughs) I was looking for it. I was expecting to find it. It's real small. It's real small. You got to look for it in the corner there. Oh, (laughs) please. So this month's verse comes from the book of Proverbs. April's verse on sovereignty came from Paul's New Testament letter to the church at Colossae. We spent some time in January discussing Solomon's authoring of the majority of Proverbs, so we don't want to be redundant. If you haven't already listened to it, we would encourage you to do so. I will, however, share this little nugget that I found. It comes from the Moody Bible Commentary. It's by Bruce Waltke, and it says this on the book of Proverbs. Solomon intended to transmit his wisdom to Israel's youths by putting his Proverbs in the mouths of godly parents as Moses disseminated the law in the home. It's interesting. Hmm. Sounds like a like a not modern day preacher because he's not modern day, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean. So this month's verse, like we said, it comes from Proverbs. It's chapter 16, verse 33. The NIV translation says this. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. 
So prior to the research we conducted for this episode, what did you know about casting lots? My only understanding of the act was that it was like rolling dice to see who would get what. I did not know that it was a divine practice. Well, again, with the Moody Bible commentary, I found this quote that I thought was interesting. Though the exact nature of the lot is unclear, it was probably something like dice used to determine God's will in decision making. This proverb explains why. It's every decision is from the Lord. The underlying belief is that the Lord, who determines all things, also determines the way that the lot turns out. The wise recognize and trust in God's sovereign providence. Well, an article published on crossway.org says this about casting lots. It says it involves the random selection or distribution of objects in order to make a choice uncontrolled and unbiased by the participants. In Israel, it was typically performed before the Lord, see Joshua 18, verse 8, in order to receive his direction. Not only the careful plans of the heart, Proverbs 16, 1 and 9, but also the apparently random practice of casting lots falls under God's providential governance. For further clarification, earlychurchhistory.org says this about casting lots. In the Old and New Testaments, lots were cast for many important decisions. Proverbs 16, verse 33 is central to understanding that the ancient Jews and Christians believed God's will could be determined by the casting of lots. The random form of determining an outcome is called claromancy, coming from the Greek word kleros, meaning lot or inheritance. We get our words clerk, clergy, and cleric from kleros, probably because in the ancient times those positions were originally originally chosen by lot and or were inherited. Hmm. I wonder how many times we've said the word lot in this episode. So <laughs> There's going to be a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so from the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, I found this commentary on the word lot. One of the best examples of this use of lots is in the book of Acts. Matthias was chosen to be Judas's successor by lot, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 26. The apostles' prayer immediately before shows the belief that God would express his will through this method. In the Old Testament, Saul was chosen as Israel's first king through the use of lots, according to 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 20 through 24. Lots helped God's people make a fair decision in complicated situations. God commanded that the promised land be divided by lots, according to Numbers 26. Later, lots established the temple priest's order of service, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 24. This practice continued into Jesus' day. Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, was burning incense in the holy place when the angel spoke to him. Zechariah was there because the lot fell to him, according to Luke chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. The awful picture of soldiers casting lots for Jesus' garments was kind of fair play, this fair play use of lots, and that was in Matthew chapter 27. In Proverbs, it teaches that the use of lots is one way to put an end to a dispute when decisions are difficult. That's hmm. Proverbs 1818. 18. Well, lots, lots, lots. I guess if you're ready, I'll pray us in. Ready, go. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to sit down and discuss these ideas and characteristics of you, Father. Uh, please open our eyes to see wonderful things and open our ears to hear wonderful things and learn more about your word, Father. I ask that you 
bless all the ears that are listening to this podcast right now and that they might glean some uh, better understanding of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Next is your favorite part of our sipple method. Sipple. Sipple. (laughs) This month, I want to be real on the topic of memorization. I don't have any tips or fancy, oh, do this thing. I really want to talk about this step and why it is such a struggle. Because it is such a struggle for both of us. Interacting with certain verses, you know, it's a little different because you have, you're interacting with those verses for a purpose. But I really just want to talk about why in the world do you think memorization, being intentional to memorize scripture, I really scripture want so to hard. change this part of the simple method to something like M for making disciples or M for how in the world are we gonna really <laughs> making uh, disciples? Einstein said you can only recall seventeen percent of your memory at any point in given time. So why would I memorize something that I can simply look up? Because the word tells you to store it up in your heart. I mean, I'm trying. You're trying. Are you really, though? I, I mean, I'm not as diligent about really, it though? as I am other things, but. Are you really, though? Hmm. Apparently not. Apparently not. According to you. We've talked about memorizing verses um, as a result of just rep- general repetition. Um, I think we, being a family, Within our home, we, we are a family of four. I think our children need to get the word on their heart and in their minds. And I think we need to make it a family affair. But this is this is the West's being real transparent. This is, this is the hardest step. This is the hardest step of the study method for me. No. Right. The rest of it, I love digging and, and going on the treasure hunts and finding the nuggets. But the, the memorization part is, uh, it's like, you know, I already read it. Well, I got to read it again 37 times today. It's physiologically so hard for me. I am only 35, but man, I have such a hard time remembering things. So, I can I can recite for you the the thematic verses of my youth group from when I was, you know, 12 and 13 years old, but what trying, you read yesterday trying is... to remember <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny story. I play a game with myself sometimes. I'll lay in the bed like my alarm goes off first thing in the morning and I'll lay there and I'll try to remember what bedclothes did I put on before I went to bed last night. And a lot of times I can't remember. <laughs> and oh, so this is bad. it's a stupid game I play. This is bad. <laughs> it is bad. Let's just move on to the parallel. No, stuff. I think we should just continue to talk about how bad we suck. <laughs> When it comes to remembering things, we'll someone someone out there is hearing our words, and they are feeling so free because they're beating themselves up about remembering things. And don't worry, I can't remember what I put on the night before the next morning when I woke up. Well, for parallels this month, before we jump into those, I want to repeat this month's verse just because it's a good time. This month's verse, again, comes from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, for someone trying to memorize it, 1633. The NIV translation says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So I chose Jeremiah 23, verse 5, for my parallel verse, which says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. 
The Hebrew word for just in this verse from Jeremiah is the same word used for decision in this month's proverb. And I chose this parallel because passages like these, they just always give me goosebumps. To read of the prophesied Messiah, these verses never failed to leave me a bit awestruck. And secondly, I chose this verse because it's interesting to me, the parallel between a decision and what is just or what is right to make a decision and to do what's right. It, it makes sense, but it's also something I don't think I ever would have considered before digging into the parallels here. Is that a connection that you are easy, easily able to see? <coughs> I'm going to go with a no on that. I'm going to call that a no. I would not have picked out just and decision as the same word. I don't, I, I see the parallel that you're drawing to, but I wouldn't have picked that out, no. Hmm. I think sometimes the decisions that are made are not just, some decisions are bad. Yeah. Well. Back to my point, talking about the prophesied Messiah and these verses, the fact that they leave me so awestruck. It, I want think about in the days of Jeremiah, you know, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and then here we are, waiting for that second advent and his his return to come back, and just it's kind of the same but kind of different, you know. Yeah, we're we're in a different waiting game. Yeah. Well, for my parallel, I pretty much chose a passage, but. Um, again, on the website earlychurchhistory.org, I found my parallel in the book of Jonah. It says this, From the book of Jonah, we learn that Phoenician sailors were casting lots in the 8th century BC. The Jewish prophet Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh and tell them if they did not repent, they would be destroyed. Jonah hated the Ninevites and boarded the ship going in the opposite direction. <laughs> but one cannot <laughs> simply like run away from God. A huge storm came up and the whole crew was terrified and wanted to know who was responsible for the possible sinking of them and the ship. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Imagine that. Hmm. They asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault. This great storm has come upon you. And that's in Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. Side note here, most know that the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah 1.17 says it was not a whale, but a specifically created big fish. The big fish. Big fish. You know, everybody calls it a whale, but it, it's very clear that it was not a whale, but a specifically created big fish for this one event. Yeah, well, speaking of memorization, and I can't remember what I put on yesterday, but there was a song that you said big fish, and it just came to my head, and it was all about, are you in the big fish? <laughs> and, but it says, I think, something about being in the belly of a whale. So, yeah, there you go. I'm going to have to hear this song. Oh, my gosh. It was a Christian song by a band that no, well, obviously. no longer exists anymore. Obviously. <laughs> 
Well, moving into language, I was interested in this word decision from this month's verse, so I chose to dig a little deeper. The Hebrew word for decision here is mishpat. Mishpat. No, shh, mishpat. 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 It just refuses to say it right. Shh, mishpat. It's used over 400 times in the Old Testament, and it is most often translated as judgment. Hmm. There's that word, just, judgment, decision. It's defined as a verdict, sentence, or formal decree, whether favorable or unfavorable. Hmm. Well, we've already talked about what casting lots actually means, and there isn't much more to this verse by way of language, so I think we'll just leave it here and move into employing truth. Employing truth. This is my favorite part of our simple method. Simple. 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 Well, making disciples method. I don't know about you, but after this, I'm thinking I need to start casting lots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems to take a lot of the weight out of the decision making process. So this is how I will employ truth. Period. (laughs) The end. But really, I think it's so bold to leave these decisions up to what some would say is chance. But we see all over the Bible where it was believed to be God's truth and employed in many different places. Even at the crucifixion, where they cast lots over Jesus' garments, which you spoke about a little bit earlier. Earlychurchhistory.org again also says this about casting lots at the crucifixion. Perhaps the most famous casting of lots in the Bible is the casting of lots by the Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus. At the crucifixion, soldiers were allowed to take from the crucified anything they thought was of value, and Jesus' robe was particularly attractive to them, so they did not want to divide it into four equal parts. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his garments into four parts, one for each soldier, with the tunic remaining. It was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but instead, let's cast lots to see who will get it. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So is what the soldiers did. This comes from Psalms 22:18, written 1,000 years before Jesus the Messiah was ever even born. Hmm. So as you're reading that, I was thinking, didn't the robe, do you think it came from the Romans? No. Because they beat him, and then they put the robe on him, and then they put the crown of thorns. I doubt he showed up with that robe. Hey, yo, you're going to beat me later. I need you to put this robe on me when you're done. Oh, I see. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should have. So it probably would have been a very high high value, very rich material robe. Maybe. Mm. That's a good question. I'm sure somebody has some information for her us out there somewhere well my big question is if you were choosing between two decisions and we did that one time in 2017 we were stuck between moving to wilmington north carolina or the island of hawaii would you believe that the casting of lots would reveal where god wanted us to go i mean so so that's a that's a pretty loaded one right there's a lot of weight to that decision um but if the lord is in control (laughs) Okay, maybe exact, I'm not ready to start casting lots. Which okay? is exactly what the apostles, you know, said when they were when they were picking for a replacement. It's, I mean, realistically, it makes complete and total sense. God's either in control of everything, or He's not. Everything, right? Yes. Everything filters through His hands, or it doesn't. 
So it seems, I mean, it almost seems like testing the Lord, though, doesn't it? Mm, could could casting lots not be seen as a show of faith? Like, Lord, I believe that you'll be faithful to show me the right way, too. Sure. What is testing the Lord, though? Hey, Lord, I'm going to do this and see. I mean, in theory, I can see the difference between the two. I just oftentimes want to know what he thinks about it. You know, Lord, how far off are these things? But, you know, I can overcomplicate a rock. So, um, hmm. I mean, I also see lots as a means of deciding between two or more good possibilities. Yeah. Assuming you have two or more good possibilities. Sometimes I just really like one. <laughs> can I can I just have one good possibility? Sure. Just show me the plan and I'll do it. Just show me the plan. Well, this month's focus, it wasn't meant to be on casting lots, but it was meant to be on the omniscience of God. His omniscience. So have you learned anything new about God's omniscience from our study here? I learned that, you know, early Bible believers and even all the way up into Jesus' time that uh, casting lots was seen as God's ultimate decision. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think there was that much weight on it. I, I just always assumed that it was kind of a up-to-chance game kind of thing, like rock, paper, scissors, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I learned that there is some... But I, f- uh, I feel like Moses, I want to say that it was God's direction that told Moses to have the priest cast the lots or it wasn't pre- the priest it was when they were separating the lamb in the book of Num- lamb land in the book of numbers i feel like that was god's instruction right it might have been the god's instruction with the priests too i don't know it's just an interesting it's not not something that i ever ever like russian rule not russian roulette that's that's a bad <laughs> game but that game of roulette with the ball and the spinny thing i yeah. never I, I never would have attributed something of chance to God. Yeah. I would have thought that was more of a human invention. <clears throat> Sorry. I think it's been most interesting to see that God is in control, even when it appears that the situation is up to chance, because technically he is the chance however it falls right no he's the the sure thing the chance like you know what i mean he's yeah. the, he's the chance he he is omniscient is to be all-knowing he knows how the dice is gonna land so he's not the chance he's, he's every the- chance there you go that's better <laughs> he is every chance no he's not the chance Thank God he can, thank the Lord, he can read my head and my heart because sometimes that's about where it stops. As always, we appreciate the time you've spent here with us. If something about our podcast has blessed you, please consider sharing it. Our primary goals are simply to provide fresh insight into the Bible we all love while also inspiring your hunger to dig deeper into the Word on your own time. Thanks for supporting our mission. We are the Wests, and this is the Verb of the Verse podcast.